This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Norwegian Encore this week. Yeah, a ship that was launched in late 2019 was only in service for a couple of months and then the shutdown happened. So Mark's here to talk all about his sailing on Norwegian Encore here in just a couple of moments. But first, staff writer Richard Sims has cruise news. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. I hear the birds singing, so it must be a great day, huh? It is a beautiful day here in Woodstock. And a good day for cruise news, too. And boy, do we have a lot of it. So the first one here, two more cruise ships return to service. And I know we've been talking about cruise ships returning for, well, since the restart. But why are these two a big deal? Because this is like when you have finally gotten the final piece of a puzzle. So Carnival Splendor set sail out of Alaska and Norwegian Spirit set out of Tahiti. Now, those are two different cruise lines, but what do they have in common? With these two ships sailing, they both have their entire fleets returning. So uh, at long last, for the first time since the shutdown, both Carnival and Norwegian have, you know, all of their ships are out there. They're not all sailing at full capacity, so we're not completely back out of the woods yet, but we do have all the ships back. And, you know, this is this is a big deal because it, we kept thinking that it was going to happen sooner than it did, but we finally, you know, they said they hoped to have them back by spring. Here we are. It's early May, and gosh darn it, both of those cruise lines are, are back in full, and that's... You know, boy, that's it's nice to be able to say that. I think it's a day that we weren't ever sure was going to come, honestly. Also nice for the people in the Alaska region who went almost two years without cruise ships. Yeah. And now they're seeing you know, they're expecting to have, if not their biggest, one of their biggest years ever. Because yeah. what is it called? We've heard it referred to over and over again pent-up demand, or PUD, as we like to refer to it. <laughs> and the CDC has relaxed more protocols for the cruise lines. Yeah, so until last week, in order for a ship to be sailing under the highly vaccinated category, because, you know, they, the CDC released these three different guidelines, and highly vaccinated was the one that you really wanted to be sailing under. And to have that, to reach that pinnacle of success, you had to be sailing with 95% of your passengers who were over the age of five vaccinated. But they've lowered that now to 90%. So um, that means, you know, they can they can put some more unvaccinated people on there and still qualify as under or as highly vaccinated. And I guess that's true. They are highly vaccinated. They're not saying they're fully vaccinated. I'm sure some people are going to, you know, feel differently about that. Some people really like being on ships that are fully vaccinated or as close to fully vaccinated as possible. But, you know, everything is changing and the CDC is sort of adapting their guidelines to go along with that. Um, Another change was that the CDC sort of dropped the federal mask mandate for public transportation. So that means you no longer have to wear masks in cruise terminals. Now, the government and cruise lines are still recommending that people do, you know, the same way they do on the ships. Um, the, the Most ships now are saying you don't have to wear a mask, but we highly recommend it. Um, so people are sort of able to make their own choice on that. The final change with the CDC rules involves isolation cabins. In other words, where you are going to be staying if you 
test positive while on board. And to be honest, most people will not even notice this change, even if they do test positive. Because basically, the rule before was that you had to move into what they call a negative pressure cabin. That means nothing to most people. And I guarantee you that even most people who tested positive on ships and were moved into these cabins didn't know what a negative pressure cabin was. All they knew was they were moved into a different cabin. And that, unfortunately, does not change. If you test positive, you still will have to be moved into a quarantine cabin because they want to basically keep all the people who are being quarantined in the same area as opposed to having them spread out throughout the entire ship. So that doesn't change. You still will move into a special section of the ship and you still will move into a quarantine cabin. It just won't be a negative pressure cabin and that won't mean anything to you because you don't know what it means. (laughs) Well, there you go. And Carnival Cruise Line is now officially sailing from San Francisco. Yeah, this is the first time. I did not realize this. I, for some reason, thought that they had sailed out of San Francisco before. But no, they've actually got ships in like places like Long Beach, but they've never sailed out of San Francisco. Uh, this is going to be the Carnival Miracle. So it's one of the older, smaller ships. She'll operate, operate a series of 11 different cruises that are 10-night Alaska trips. And they'll stop in Juneau, Ketchikan, Sitka, Skagway, Icy Strait Point, and Victoria on most of the itineraries. It's, you know, sort of your your typical uh, nice, it'll be four and five nights to Baja, Mexico. Uh, and the final cruise out of San Francisco, which will basically be a relocating cruise for them, will be a 15-night Carnival Journeys voyage that'll go from San Francisco over to Hawaii. And that'll be in September, actually September 15th of 2022, if you want to like, you know, get booked on that nice transatlantic as soon as possible. You know, I'm torn on these Hawaii cruises because I don't really know if it would be better to actually do a sailing like that out of San Francisco to Hawaii and back like an extra long one or just fly over to Hawaii because that's a long time in a plane and I I can't stand sitting, sitting still that long. It depends. I mean, you know, it is. It's a long flight. Like the one time I went to Hawaii, I flew straight from New York to Hawaii and it was like a 10, 11 hour flight and it nearly killed me, but it was business and it was how I had to do it. Um, But on the other hand, you get to Hawaii much quicker as opposed to like, if you want to have the most time in Hawaii, as opposed to spending, you know, four five, six, however many days sailing on the ocean. I kind of like the idea of a long trip. I'd want to do like, you know, I'd like to do probably at least a 12 day so that I still have a lot of time in Hawaii, but I also get time to enjoy the ship as we're going across the uh, ocean. And Celebrity Cruises has picked the godmother for their latest new launch, Celebrity Beyond. This is incredibly exciting news, especially for my niece, Kayla, because she is a huge fan of the person that Celebrity has chosen to be the godmother of the Celebrity Beyond. Her name is Simone Biles. And even if you think you don't know her, trust me, you do. She is um, one of the best Olympians in the world. She's one of the best gymnasts in the world. She has... She's a 19-time world champion. I can't think of anything that I've come in first place 19 times, not even like Mario Kart. Uh, She's also a seven-time Olympic medalist. She's pretty incredible. And this is really in keeping what Celebrity has wanted to do with the Edge series of ships and their godmothers. They've been choosing women who they they call transformational and courageous. And I think both of those would certainly qualify. She also is, as they say, breaking barriers and champion 
championing change. That's very difficult to say, um, but it's something that she has done pretty easily. It's, you know, this is the same ship Celebrity Beyond is also going to have as its captain, Captain Kate, who has um, become probably the most famous captain since Captain Steubing on the Love Boat, and he was fictional. Uh, so Celebrity is not just talking about female empowerment. They're really putting it into practice, and I think it's been a really cool thing to see. So um, Simone will be named the godmother officially at the Vessel's christening ceremony, which will be in Fort Lauderdale on November 4th of this year. And I'm, like I said, I'm kind of excited about this. I think she's a very cool representative for not only uh, celebrity, but for the industry as a whole. Captain Kate threw out a good fact when I was on Beyond the other day. She was saying that only 2% worldwide of the maritime industry's bridge teams, navigational teams, are women. And she's making a point to change that within the cruise sector. Well, she's so inspirational, you know? I mean, I don't know that young girls have had the opportunity to look and see, hey, that's something that I can do, you know? Like, they may not have thought of it. Because, you know, if you don't see representations of yourself doing something, you don't necessarily put yourself in that position and see it. But here, we've got this woman who is, you know, she's in charge, and she's got the respect of the entire industry, and she's breaking boundaries, and... I, I really hope to, that as a result, young women are looking at this and saying, this is something I can do. This is something I want to do. I, I'm such a huge fan of Captain Kate and everything she stands for. We always enjoy these news of the weird pieces. Barnacles on a ship cause a cancellation. Uh, this is, I have to say, one I have never heard of before. Um, this was the celebrity eclipse. The uh, guests on board received a letter that read, and I quote, Due to recent marine growth that has developed on the ship's hull, a natural process that you might know as barnacle growth, and our commitment to following local environmental procedures, we are pulling celebrity eclipse into a dry dock for seven days in order to safely and responsibly clean the hull. So apparently, you know, um, there are, as we know, very strict regulatory um, things in place in Alaska. You know, we really want to protect that environment. It's, you know, there's already enough in the world going on that's harmful to that. So the cruise ship industry is trying really hard to make sure that as they bring people here to take in this natural splendor, they're being very respectful of the environment that they're sailing in. And apparently barnacles are bad for that. My big question when I first heard this story was, okay, they, you know, they, they scrape all the barnacles off and they they excise it. What do you do with the leftover barnacles? You know, I mean, you can't just throw them back in the ocean, I would think. Um, I, I have no idea. I am not an expert on barnacles, but I feel like, you know, on some future edition of the show, you should have a barnacle expert on. Yeah, that'd be great. About what you do. And if we're being real here, a barnacle is an invasive species. So you don't want those in your coastal waterways of Alaska. And the truth is that the cruise lines sail into the waters with barnacles on the hull. They're going to get a big fine. So say what you want. They can't go up there with those barnacles on the ship. They're spinning it as, you know, hey, we're very protective and we would not want to do this. But really, it's like if you do this, you're screwed. Sorry, writing that check. So a listener question comes from Julie. I heard that Princess is now offering all-inclusive pricing. What can you tell me about that? Okay, so Princess is doing something kind of cool. I guess you could call it having their cake and eating it, too. More and more cruisers are looking for all-inclusive packages. You know, I mean, they're one of the big, big things they compete with is all-inclusive resorts. So what Princess has done is they're rolling out something called Princess Premier. It's a package that will go on sale starting May 25th. It costs $75 
$25 per person per day. And what it includes is the premier drink package, all the digital photos, like, you know, when you're wandering around the ship and the uh, uh, photographers are snapping your pic, jump in front of every single photographer you see because those are all going to be included. You also get three prints of, you know, you can pick any three photos and they can be up to eight by ten. It includes your gratuities, so the daily gratuity fee is rolled in, Wi-Fi for up to four devices, and two dinner in two specialty restaurants. So each person gets two specialty dinners. I was trying to look at this and say, okay, at $75 a person, is this worth it? And kind of really quickly came to the conclusion that yes, it is, because the it includes the premier drink package, not the basic drink package, but the premier drink package. And with everything that's included, Princess basically estimates that the Premier package is worth just under $80 a day. So if you're paying $75 a day for the for the for the this this um, all-inclusive package, right there you're already, you know, make, getting your money back. But when you throw in all the other things, especially if you're someone who's going to get all the pictures taken, you go to both of the specialty restaurants that you want to go to, and those, you know, if you went to the two highest end restaurants on the typical ship, it's going to be about $30. So that right there is worth it. What's cool about this is that you don't have to partake in it. You know, this is something for people who, who know they want the drink package, who know they're going to eat in specialty restaurants. You can book just the flat out cruise or you can pay the extra $75 a day per package. We're seeing more and more of this within the industry. You know, Celebrity uh, a year or so back started adding drinks, Wi-Fi, and uh, gratuities into the price of their cruise. For, for a long time, cruise lines avoided doing this kind of thing because one of the things they where they make a lot of money is what they call onboard spend. In other words, the extra money that you spend once you step on that ship, whether it is to buy you know uh, drinks or to buy to go to a, a specialty restaurant. But what they've really learned is they can sell you that stuff in advance. And because you spent that money already, when you get on the ship, you kind of forget that you spent it, that you have what they call empty wallet syndrome. And you forget that you spent that money and you're willing to spend more. So even though you already paid to have dinner in two specialty restaurants, you might go ahead and have dinner in a third or even a fourth, or you might spend more in the casino because you're like, well, I've already paid for the whole trip. So as they've come to that realization, they've realized they can roll out some of these, these inclusive packages that include things you were buying before. You're buying them now in advance and still spending more money on ships. They're they're really good at get, figuring out ways to get us to spend money. And we've seen variations of this before with Norwegians on going pick two, three, or four sale, or Holland America's Club Orange, kind of the same, but not really. But this actually seems legit. As you just mentioned, the price of their beverage package is around $75 per day anyways. And again, I think the, the real selling point here is that you don't have to do it. It's mm -hmm. a great addition for people who know that they're going to take advantage of it. I'm a big advocate that when you're planning a cruise, one of the things you should really do, like before you buy the drink package, whether it's Cheers or, or any other package, sit down and do the math and say, well, how much will I actually probably spend a day on you know, alcohol? Or if it includes in a situation like this where it includes price of the specialty restaurants, some are cheaper than others, you know, see, well, if we went to this restaurant, and we went two nights, it would cost this much. Do the math and figure out whether it's actually worth it or not for you. No matter what it is, you know, when you're 
booking a cruise, you're you're spending a fair chunk of change. So you want to make sure that you're getting the most bang for that buck. And the easiest way to do that is to do the research and know what you're buying. Very good. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. Been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Thank you, buddy. Always top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Have a tip or a lead on a news story? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. Mark just returned from a seven-night cruise on Norwegian Cruise Lines and Norwegian Encore. It left out of Port Miami, and Mark joins us on the line. Hello again, Mark. Hey, Doug. Happy to have you back on the show again to talk about Norwegian Encore this time. This was that seven-night mm-hmm. Eastern Caribbean cruise. So before we get to the ship itself, we're going to take a couple of steps back here. What made you want to take this seven-nighter out of Miami? Okay, we, what we need to do is go back about a year and a half to the June-July 2020 time frame. Mm-hmm. My youngest, Michael, uh, fell in love with cruising just as much as I did and wanted to do another cruise, stop in a couple of different ports. One he really wanted to see was the Port of St. Thomas. So I also wanted to see one of the Virgin Islands ports, but I wanted to see Tortola. And Royal Caribbean, which I'm the most familiar with, doesn't typically stop in Tortola, but I knew that Norwegian did. So we looked around at a few itineraries, and one for November of 2021 had an after-Thanksgiving cruise that visited both St. Thomas and Tortola. We figured if we planned something that far out, the pandemic might be well enough forward that the cruise lines would have been given the authority by the CDC to cruise again. So We put the deposit down, and to make a very, very long story short, everything worked out just fine. We were able to make the sailing without any real real problems. Very cool. And you're up there in the Ohio area. You make your way down to South Florida to embark Norwegian Encore. Mm -hmm. Did you do any, uh, I know when we talked a little while back, you uh, did some pre-cruise time in Miami. Any this time? Absolutely. I usually fly in the day before, but with my July sailing on Freedom of the Seas, We flew down two days prior. I loved that. So we did it again. We flew down on Friday the 26th, got into Miami uh, about a little after four, hired a lift and took us to the AC Marriott in South Beach, where we stayed for a couple of days because the sailing wasn't until Sunday the 28th and had a fantastic time on South Beach. It's across the street by the Marriott uh, Edition Hotel. So it had its own beach area. So the boys and I, enjoyed the infinity pool on top of the hotel. Uh, There's a really great Peruvian restaurant right across the street that we ate at. The boys also 
during the day, decided to march up and down one of the streets there in South Beach and found a boba place. You know, those boba yeah. teas, those Taiwanese boba, they love that stuff. So yeah. uh, they liked it so much, they decided to go back down and drag me along later <laughs> that evening. So they got a chance to see, walk past some of the other fancy hotels they have there in the area, like the W and some of the old Art Deco hotels that are there up and down the different streets in uh, South Beach. So to make a real long story short, we had a fantastic time. And I should say, we were able to see several ships exit Port Miami, mm-hmm. as well as a couple of ships leave from Fort Lauderdale, Port Everglades, I think it's called. Yeah. So I saw the Celebrity Apex in the distance and even the Sky Princess. Sky Princess, something I will be on January 8th, nice. um, assuming there's no issues with the CDC or positive tests or anything like that. So we had a great time in Miami and then hired a lift to take us to the port Sunday morning. We had a 9 a.m., not embarkation, but we had to be there at 9 a.m. to go through the COVID testing at the new Norwegian terminal, which is Terminal B in Port Miami. I love the fact that anytime you go somewhere pre-cruise, you and your son leave no stone unturned. Oh, gosh, no. You're no, all over the no, place. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll be doing, I'll have the same report to say about Port, uh, Port Everglades in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but no, oh, yeah, uh, Miami, I've gotten to know quite well. And I found my favorite hotels and my favorite restaurants and mm-hmm. uh, my favorite things to do. So we get to the port uh, a little after nine in the morning, and that is a more interest. It doesn't flow as nicely, and I think it may have something to do with where the terminal is positioned in relation to the other terminals, but it works. What would you say it took from curb to ship? Oh, from curb to ship, well, I would say about an hour and a half. And the reason why is they had to wait for the ship to be disembarked and uh, disinfected. So they didn't start boarding the group until um, just before 11 in the morning. So we got on the ship, I would say about 11, 15. So maybe it was about a two hour wait. And that was understandable considering the testing that we needed to go through and Mm -hmm. because we got to the port so early. You make your way on board Norwegian Encore. What were your first impressions? Oh my goodness gracious. What a stunning ship. First of all, when you see a Norwegian ship, every one of them has different artwork. And this one if you haven't seen it, imagine two Tesla coils and that bolt of electricity that uh, that wiggle between the two. Mm-hmm. That's what the artwork looks like on the side of the hull. It's really attractive in the rainbow light color scheme. And that wasn't missing when we walked on. You board on deck eight. And the first thing that greets you are the soft color palettes that you see on the walls, plus lots of artwork. And I think that may have had something to do with the CEO, Frank Del Rio, having a say in all of the artwork that's seen everywhere on the ship. Studio Dado, I believe, is the name of the design firm in Miami that had something to do with the interior design of this particular vessel, Mm -hmm. and they left no stone unturned. Everywhere on the ship, no matter which deck, in the public areas, they had something for people to see. I'm really at a loss for words because there was so much that was photographable, so much Instagrammable on the ship. But yeah, decade is where we boarded. And then the first thing they have us do is uh, the e-muster. We had to watch the videos on the cell phone of what to do in the case of an emergency. And then we had to go witness how to put on the life jacket. You're done in about two or three minutes. And it's a great thing. We get it out of the way. And guess what? That lets the fun begin. Not like the old ways when you had to go. Everyone (laughs) had to collect and wait and go through that whole 45 minute to an hour long spiel. Yeah. So we went to the buffet. Now here's where the fun started. And I mean, fun in a good way. I had heard that the food 
in the Garden Cafe, especially the Indian food, was some of the best you could find on a ship anywhere. That was an understatement. Wow. My son, who has an even better palate than mine, waxed pretty eloquently about the quality of the butter chicken that you get there on the ship. There was very little in the buffet that I would have taken a hard pass on. It was such good quality. And here's where things even get interesting. The ship is mask-free because vaccines are mandatory on the ship. As soon as you get on board, off come the masks. And the buffet is self-service, not like on Royal, where they serve you. You get the plate, you get to serve yourself. I felt like a human again. It was wonderful. And they have the gentlemen and the ladies there at the front making sure you wash your hands and then disinfect before you touch any plates, collect your food or what have you. I was so impressed, not disappointed in the least with the quality. And the food changed regularly. Uh, They had dinner up there, breakfast, lunch, no time restrictions, nothing. It was great. Awesome. Let's uh, let's take one step back here. I want to talk about your stateroom. Uh Maybe you maybe you ate Uh then went to your stateroom. Is that what you did? Always. Yeah, we ate first, then went to the state yeah. rooms. It was a balcony state room. We were on midship ninth floor, so we were right there by the elevator bank. In fact, where we boarded, it was that set of stairs and elevators. So we went right up, and as soon as we got off the ship, we were port side about one or two doors, and there was our stateroom. Nice. Um, roomy stateroom, I would say about 170, 175 square feet. Roomy bathroom, nice uh, shower stall with a glass door, and a balcony that was definitely roomier than what I've experienced. Not quite as roomy as what I had on Freedom of the Seas, because that was uh, on the stern of the ship, Mm -hmm. but this one was twice the size of the one we had on the Symphony of the Seas. Nice. Uh, Perfect balcony. And so, yeah, the stateroom was great. Let's talk about dining on this. We already talked about the the, um, buffet area up there. Let's talk about the... The region really doesn't have like main dining rooms per se, but they have like taste and savor, little mini dining rooms. Any experience in those? Every one of them. The big one is the Manhattan Room, and that is on deck six. The first night we had dinner in the Manhattan Room. Now, one of the things I have learned is that the menu in the dining rooms, and it's the same whether in taste or savor or the Manhattan Room, is much larger than what I saw on Royal Caribbean. They were correct. The food was so good. I had something different every time. Uh, We ate in the main dining room five of the seven nights, and we were not disappointed. Very high quality, you know, whether it was a steak or one of the changing options that you have on board. Even the desserts, they even have a separate menu for the desserts. There was about five or six items, on, at least on the dessert menu alone, you could choose from. I would say maybe eight to ten appetizers, eight to ten entrees, all of which rotate uh, into, into something different on a different night. So you would never be at a loss for something to something to enjoy. Mark, I know they have the three main quote unquote dining rooms around the ship. Are mm-hmm. the menus the same in each one? Everyone. Yep, okay. they're all the same. Gotcha. So it's just a matter of where you're where you're sitting then for the most part. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then we included in our fare was uh, two specialty dining restaurants. And we ate at Le Bistro, mm-hmm. which is the French restaurant. And that was a treat. Most of the items on the entree come domed. So when you, uh, when the food is brought to you, all the waiters and waitresses come with the meal, lift the dome, and announce voila, and there's the food. Nothing, unfortunately, that we had had that kind of that kind of service, but it was a, it was a real treat to see. Yeah, and what's the other one you dined in? Cagney's. Now, here's where things get even more interesting. I used to subscribe to Wine Spectator magazine. And in their 
early 2020 Top 100 Restaurants edition. One of the restaurants listed as the top 100 in this country was Cagney Steakhouse on board the Norwegian Encore. Wow. I was so impressed. I said to the boys, we have to eat at Cagney. If it got this kind of praise from a major culinary magazine, it has to be good. And it sure was. uh, Best ribeye I've ever had. Yeah, I'll have to put Norwegian's Cagney's up against any steakhouse at sea for sure. They have a a very solid steak in there. Yep, yeah. yep, definitely. Very good. And uh, yeah, so that was where we ate. Uh, they also have little things that you can eat at uh, that we, we went to Coco's, which I think is what they call the, you get little like uh, truffles. Like a sweet truffles, shop. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, gelato and different things like that. And that was delicious. It was also part of the bake shop. And then there's something called the local, which is there in the main atrium uh, on decks. Seven, I think we didn't eat there, but I knew that was a place that I could go virtually any time of the day to get, you know, pub food, bar food, that kind of thing, you know, wraps, burgers Mm -hmm. and whatnot. I've heard the locals excellent, but we didn't partake. Gotcha. Let's talk about the entertainment on this seven night cruise. What did you think of it? Mm -hmm. Um, We saw Choir of Man. It was fantastic. Yeah. I knew that it was a strong performance and they did not disappoint. We saw it the last night of our sailing. And uh, the boys enjoyed it. The program went about mm, about a good hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And the folks that are doing that particular choir of man are going to embark on a nationwide tour wow. in 2022. That's cool. Yep. And they have a website with a link to the whole thing where you can go find where they're going to where they're going to do the performance. They were great. It was fantastic. I've got loads of video clips and pictures from the show. The other show they did was Kinky Boots, but we didn't go see that. Now, with the shows on board, do you have to make reservations? Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. Okay. And I think it has to do with the, because of the protocols yeah. to make sure that they have, you know, they're, they're staffed, you know, the seating is planned accordingly. But we took care of that, I think, the first or second night we were on the ship. Now, the one thing Norwegian does is they have got touch screens everywhere by the elevator banks and the stairwells where you can reserve things like specialty dining, shore excursions. I think even book spa treatments and reserve when you want to go see a show, you know, whether it's something like the Beatles tribute land in the, in the Liverpool room, I forget what they call it. The cavern club. Yes. That's what it is. The cavern club. And, uh, and also the shows, whether it's kinky boots, which I heard is fantastic or choir of man, which I experienced and can vouch for. Very cool. Yeah. It seems like, uh, there was a lot of entertainment on the ship and it also seems like a very like solid light up on entertainment because, uh, choir of man, everyone who comes on raves mm-hmm. about that show. Mm-hmm. And rightly so. Uh, yeah. it's very, very, very well done. Yeah. It's a troop of about, I think 13 men that do it and mm-hmm. they all have a different story to tell, if you will, that fits in with the whole thing. I don't want to spoil the show for those who haven't seen it, but if you haven't, it is well worth your time to go see. Mark, did they say what the capacity was that you were sailing at? Mm-hmm. It was about 40%. Oh, wow. Uh, that ship holds about 4,000, uh, give or take, and we were at about 1,700 capacity. Okay, so at 40%, how were the sea days? Oh, fine. No problems. Uh, there's no wait for anything, whether you wanted to go on the water slides, the go-karts, even stuff that's at a premium, deck chair space by the pools. Mm-hmm. No, if you wanted something, there was there was... Sometimes you might have to walk a little bit, but there was always something available. Nice. So no weights, no lines. Uh, no, nothing nothing at all. It was very, very nice. Did you get a chance to ride the go-karts? No, I didn't. Yeah. I, I would have liked to, 
but uh, no, riding the co-carts just wasn't in the cards for me. Gotcha. But I w- uh, the next time I'm on the ship, I uh, mean, I've got my eyes uh, set on, on Norwegian's Prima, which is going to have a three-deck go-kart track. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, we, we, I would have liked to, but it that didn't work out for me this yeah. time. Gotcha. Let's talk about the ports of call you hit on this seven-night cruise. Mm-hmm. What we'll do here is uh, give us support, give us a highlight, and we'll move to the next one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the first port was supposed to be Puerto Plata in the DR. And about a couple, two to three weeks prior, uh, a notice got sent out saying that uh, the port has been changed to San Juan in Puerto Rico. From what I understand, the port wasn't quite ready yet for passengers to you know, exit off of cruise ships, so they had to substitute, which is fine. We got to San Juan on Tuesday about four in the afternoon and stayed in port till just before midnight. So the boys... They did their own thing. I walked into old San Juan. I wanted to look for a few things for for family members and just take some pictures. Uh, It's a very, very colorful area. Uh, San Juan's one of my favorite ports. And the boys went up to the the fort uh, hoping to get in. But uh, by the time they got there, it had already been it already closed for the day. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But they walked around, went to the different souvenir shops, came back on the ship. So, yeah, uh, that's that's what we did in uh, San Juan. And then where'd you go next? Next, we went to St. Thomas. Now, this was beautiful. St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, we deck in, I want to say it's called Charlotte Amelie. I think it's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. It is, the port is in a more industrial part of the town. But once you got past that, that island's beautiful. What we did was we took the chairlift that we could walk to from where the ship docked. You walk uh, through a little open-air market. And you take this chairlift up to the top of one of the, the, the mountainsides there, and you have got a beautiful panoramic view looking at the different U.S. and British Virgin Islands out there in the distance. So we did that, took the lift back down, and then next to it is a shipwreck museum. That was really, really interesting. The boys loved that. And if you are a collector of unique artifacts, they have Spanish reals for sale that had been recovered from a wreck off the coast of Ecuador in the late 17th century. And they ranged in price depending on the quality of the real from a couple hundred dollars up to, I want to say seven or eight, $8,000. Uh, so that was very unique to see, to come so close to actual treasure from a sunken wreck. Then I took an island tour of uh, St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful, beautiful panoramic views. Then the next day we went to Tortola. Now, Tortola was a little different because we got there at 6.30 in the morning, and we had to be back on the ship at 12 noon, so we only had a very short time. What we did was we took a ferry over to Virgin Gorda and went to the Mass. My son, Michael, said that was, of all of the tours he's done, that was his favorite. Nice. No, I would do the Bass again, no questions asked. It's so unique. It's a national park there where the parking lot is, and then there's a special path that a guide will help you wind your way through and you navigate through these enormous large boulders that make cave-like entrances that take you down to secluded little beaches. And that was beautiful. Uh, So that took up the morning. The boys did some swimming. Other people did some snorkeling and then went back to the bus, which took us back to the Virgin Gorda uh, dock and the ferry took us then back to uh, Tortola. I think it's Road Town is the name mm-hmm. of the small town right there in Tortola. Now, and got back on the ship. About yeah. how long of an excursion is that, Mark? Mm, good, two and a half hours. Okay. Not bad. Yeah, maybe. No, not bad. Maybe a little longer than mm-hmm. that because you have to factor in about 45 minutes on the ferry to and from Virgin Gorda. Gotcha. So you got back on the ship. Then where'd you head to next? 
great stirrup key. Nice. Now, I wasn't sure what to think of great stirrup key because I had perfect day at Coco Key to compare it to, uh-huh. and the, which is right there yeah. with, with all the water slides. The way you get to great stirrup key is you tender in. They, Norwegian hasn't built a dock yet, from what I understand. Uh, I believe one will be coming, but you know when that happens, who knows? Uh, so we tender in, and I was not disappointed at all. Great stirrup key is all about relaxation, a relaxation and more relaxation. A lot of the design cues uh, and quality of the way things are put together was clearly evident. This felt like a spa-like resort. Nice. For, uh, that's probably the best way I can put it. The colors, the cleanliness, the brightness, the beautiful palm trees, recliners everywhere. My favorite spot was the bar that was sponsored by uh, Bacardi Rum mm-hmm. and that made a fantastic Miami Vice and Pina Colada and Daiquiri and different things like that. My poison was Miami Vices, and I may have had, mm, oh, three or four of them uh, nice. there, there while I was on uh, Great Stirrup Key. Is the island experience, I mean, you have, you know, a perfect day to compare it to when you sailed a couple of months back. Would you say there are two different experiences? Completely different experiences. Perfect day is a water park. Uh, Now, they have the section that is for people that want to be by, by the lagoon and relax in the recliners. But perfect day is all about the water slides, the water park, the wave pool. It's an amusement park for probably the best way I can describe it. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas Great Stirrup Key is like an adults-only spa. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. I cannot wait to go back to Great Stirrup Key again. I could relax there. Yeah, they really did a great job with that refurb, too, and opened that. They um, really. Was anyone mm-hmm. able, uh, really. I guess it was the Haven, the Haven guests could actually go to that little secluded area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that, that, of course, wasn't for us right. because we weren't staying in the Haven, but I didn't need it. Uh, right. I was enjoying myself immensely on my recliner. Then they had a beach volley, a couple beach volleyball games going on, and of course the boys dove into that and had a lot of fun. Do they still have the food trucks on the island? I didn't remember seeing food no. trucks. They had a big buffet station mm-hmm. and a dessert station. Now the desserts were a little weak on the island. Uh, yeah. That's if I could nitpick on one thing, that would have been my only minor complaint. Yeah. But if you were really jonesing for food, all you had to do was hop back on the tender right. and go back to the <laughs> ship and enjoy yourself there. Yeah, definitely. So you make your way back to Port Miami. How was debarkation? Mm-hmm. Oh, smooth as silk. We elected for a 9.30 a.m. exit off the ship. And then I'm working closely with my travel agent, Go Luxury Cruisers, and they met us at the port. We went into town, had a... Um, Uh, breakfast, and then they took us to Miami International Airport for the flight home. One thing I did want to say about the ship, I bought a week pass to the thermal suite. Now, the thermal suite is on deck 15, no, deck 16, I'm sorry, at the stern of the ship with windows overlooking the wake behind. This is the best thermal suite out there, in my opinion. You've got multiple concrete loungers that are heated that you can relax on. They also have a giant hydrotherapy pool with um, what looks like a huge faucet, for lack of a better word, where you can stand underneath a gush of water. And then also, what do they call those, like, jacuzzi-like bubbles that you can relax in. And then they have a snow room that makes, well, snow. It's like standing in a, in a room that's about 15 degrees okay. with snow making in there. So that's kind of interesting. And then a salt room with Himalayan salt and then an aromatic steam room and then a warm sauna and a hot sauna and an experiential shower. Uh, I made use of that thing 
every single day. This is an expensive thermal suite. It's $296 for the week, mm-hmm. but that was worth it, worth it, worth it, in my opinion. Mark, what is the, the situation on the, the casino smoking? Is it a smoke-free casino always? <laughs> this, I have, that's another thing I have to praise Norwegian for. They have a section of the casino that's walled off with glass walls for the smokers to enjoy their cigarettes or pipes or cigars to their heart's content without impacting the rest of the folks in the casinos who are non-smokers. So there was zero, zero, zero smoke problem aboard. That reminds me of like the uh, the Atlanta airport used to have those smoking rooms where they were like aquariums, oh, sure. right? Mm-hmm. You, you yep, walk yep, by and you see exactly the smokers right. in there. Yeah, interesting. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, I remember those too. Yeah. Now, uh, looking back here, do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone who's either sailing Norwegian for the first time or going over to Great Stirrup? Well, do your research. If you've picked the ship, learn about the ship before you get on the ship. Uh, familiarize yourself with the deck plans. There's plenty of YouTube videos where you can see ship tours. Encore is certainly no exception. And I would say, don't be afraid to try everything on the ship. Go to the main dining rooms, go to the specialty restaurants. Of course, I only sampled two of them, but I've heard nothing but praise out Onda by Scarpetti, the Italian restaurant on board, as well as Los Lobos, the Mexican restaurant on board. They have also something fantastic called Food Republic and a very good teppanyaki restaurant, from what I've been told. Mm -hmm. Do your research. Learn what the ship has to offer. Always better to come with a plan and be prepared to enjoy yourself. Uh, That way you're left with uh, no stone unturned. And then also get a gauge for how how, how occupied the ship is going to be. If you're one who really wants a lounger, don't be afraid to pay for, what is it, the Vibe, I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. which is a separate section of the ship where you get a lounger all your own, and it's secluded from the rest of the ship. Likewise, on Great Stirrup Key, same thing. If you do your due diligence, you do a little bit of research, make sure you have a really good travel agent like the Luxury Cruisers working with you that can advise you on what to see on the ship, where to stay, what room to get, what side of the ship to get, and then can steer you accordingly with uh, shore excursions you will not be disappointed. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Two things. The food, for starters. It was pretty clear that NCL borrows from their luxury brands, Oceania and Regent Seven Seas. Mm -hmm. The food is top-notch. I like the food on Royal very much. This took it to a different level. I would say this this was probably what you'd find if you were on, say, Celebrity or uh, Princess, maybe even better. Hmm. And uh, the second is the ship is stunning throughout. Don't be afraid to take a camera and take pictures because there's something photographable on every part of the public areas. There's artwork everywhere on the ship and it all ties in beautifully. And then third, see the shows. Go see the Beatles tribute band. Go see Choir of Man. Go to the Sugarcane Bar, which is where the Salsa Club is. Fantastic salsa band, fantastic dancing. If you if you know how to Latin dance, I know a little bit of that. So, seeing people bachata and merengue and salsa, and it's not done at a level beyond most people. So, you will not be disappointed. I cannot praise the encore and the experience on encore with the Norwegian strongly enough. What are your thoughts on how Norwegian is protecting their guests during the startup? Oh, no complaints. I mean, it's for those who cannot get vaccines because they, their, their, their body just won't allow, my heart goes out to those folks. And then the cleanliness on the ship spoke for itself. I felt very safe and very comfortable aboard. I had no concerns that I was going to come down with COVID all over again. 
Very good. And your final thoughts of Norwegian Encore? I will sail that ship again and again and again if necessary. Fair enough. We've been talking with Mark about his seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing out of Port Miami on board Norwegian Encore. Mark, as always, it's great talking to you, my friend. And uh, let's chat after your Sky Princess cruise. Will do. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.